I'm going to give you a name. I'm pretty sure you've heard of him. And uh, if you do, you don't have to raise your hand. But his name is Billy Graham. I think some of you are like, of course we've heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham's been dubbed the American pastor. In 1947, he began a ministry that I don't think he would even fathom the kind of impact it would have on people. In 1947, he began to travel along and share the gospel with many people. I know my own mother-in-law who watched him on TV said yes to following Jesus because of Billy Graham. It's estimated that Billy Graham, in person, spoke to and shared Christ with 210 million people. It's estimated just in person, that's not counting people like my, uh, my mother-in-law who found Jesus on TV, that between two and three million people at those revivals, those places that he spoke at, said yes to following Jesus. He is an incredible, incredible servant of God that as a pastor, I want to be more like. So I'm assuming you've probably heard of Billy Graham. You've been impacted maybe somehow by Billy Graham or maybe a family member has. But I wonder how many of you have heard of the name Charles Templeton. You probably haven't. If you have, there's probably only a few of you that have. But Charles Templeton was one of Billy Graham's very close friends. They traveled together. He was a companion. He was somebody that Billy Graham could lean on. And in fact, a lot of people saw the gifts that Charles Templeton had and thought maybe he could eclipse Billy Graham in the impact that he could have for Jesus. So if that's the case, and he was a great friend of Billy Graham's, and he thought they had potential to do something for Jesus, why haven't we heard of him? Well, both Billy Graham and Charles Templeton had something in common, something in common with you and I. It's what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. We'll put that on the screen for you here. It, it says this, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world and against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. If you've been with us over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this passage because it's telling us that all of us are in a battle. Not with flesh and blood, meaning not with humans, but against the evil one. And so was Billy Graham. So was Charles Templeton. And the Apostle Paul tells us that if we want to win the battle, that we have to armor up which the, Paul calls the armor of God, that every single day we have to put on the armor of God to resist the attacks of the evil one. And if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know we've looked at the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness. Last week we looked at the shoes of peace, this kind of peace that not only are we supposed to have and can have, but we take that peace to people that don't have it. Every single day, in order to win the battle, we have to put on these pieces of armor. The Apostle Paul goes on and puts it this way. In addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on salvation as your helmet. Every single day, we face a battle. And how we fight that battle is the choice that we make once we get out of bed. And it was the same choice that Billy Graham and Charles Templeton could face. Billy Graham realized this kind of war 
that was being waged against his soul. And so he knew he couldn't do this on his own. And so he armored up. He dropped to his knees in prayer and he prayed that the Lord would protect him and that he would put on his armor to be able to protect himself as well. In fact, in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Faith, it says this, rising from his knees, tears in his eyes, Graham sensed the power of God. He said, in my heart and mind, I knew a spiritual battle in my soul had been fought and won. This is the kind of response that I want to have, but it's not always the response that I have. And it may not be the response that you have either. Because it wasn't the response of Charles Templeton. Because after a while, he knew what Billy Graham knew. But he decided not to armor up. He decided not to do what Billy Graham did and allow God to fight for him and as he had to fight for himself as well. And pretty soon, he decided to drift away from God. In fact, it says this. As was inevitable, questions and doubts began to plague me and my reason had begun to challenge and sometimes to rebut the central beliefs of the Christian faith. Charles Templeton died in 2010. He walked away from God. The enemy will do whatever he take, can, t- can do in his, your life, whatever it takes to keep you from worshiping Jesus from falling to your knees and saying, God, I can't do this, from recognizing that we have a responsibility to armor up. And you can go one way like Billy Graham went, and we see what happened in his life, or you can go Charles Templeton's route. And just to say, you know what, I can do this on my own, then pretty quickly drifted to where he wasn't following Jesus at all, even the end of his life. So how can we be more like Billy Graham? What does it look like every single day to armor up, especially with these new pieces of armor. Here's what Paul says. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Now, my kids would have this little plastic sword and this little shield that they got for a birthday gift one time, and they would go around and fight each other, and this shield was about this big, and they would hold it up like this. Well, it didn't really do much to protect himself from his other brother, and if the armor of a Roman soldier looked like that, they wouldn't be able to extinguish the fiery arrows being shot at them from the enemy. And so that's not really what a shield looked like. For a Roman soldier, it was actually as big as a door. Can you imagine carrying that around everywhere you went? But you had to because the enemy was shooting these fiery arrows at you and you had to protect yourself. So they had this door. It went from their toes all the way to their head and they would hold it and they would stand behind it hoping that they wouldn't take an arrow, obviously, to their body. But what's interesting is the door was oftentimes made of wood. And if they were going to shoot a fiery arrow at you, we know what happens if fire hits wood. It will burn up. So they would cover the, the, the shield with this hide and they would wet it down so that when this arrow would finally stick, hopefully the watered down hide in the shield would extinguish the arrows. And that's the kind of choice that you and I have to make when we are going to fight the enemy. That we grab this shield, this shield that goes from our feet to our head. This shield, Paul says, of faith, that it can extinguish even these fiery arrows that the enemy wants to shoot at us. Because I'm just telling you, if you were here at the beginning of the service, I said, I'm just feeling just 
overwhelmed, feeling heavy, and I feel like some of those arrows have gotten through. Even this morning, what you don't see is behind the scenes, volunteers calling off, Meg, she can't sing, all of these things happening. It just feels like, oh my goodness, this onslaught. Because the enemy doesn't want us to worship. The enemy wants us to be distracted. The enemy doesn't want our kids to know more about Jesus, and he will do anything. These arrows are flying at us. And for us personally, there are certain arrows that he will fire at you so that you would be discouraged in your own faith, so that you would walk away from God, just like we saw Charles Templeton did. Some of those arrows include fear. That arrow, when it sticks to you, can do it a lot of damage. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy, and hear me on this, is to have you think about tomorrow when God says, think about today. If he can get you to think about tomorrow and all the issues that you have going on in your life, he will make you fear. He will make you worry. When you start to think, what's ahead? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can become that. If you get into tomorrow, then he has you. A one of his arrows has stuck to you. He wants you to fear. He doesn't want you to have confidence in who God is. Another one that many of us feel is this feeling of loneliness, of abandonment. There's some of us in this room that are trying to get used to living in an empty home. You were married for a long time and your spouse passed away and the profound loneliness of not having a companion is something that you feel like, man, I'm just getting shot with this fiery dart from the enemy all the time and I just feel so alone. But I shared my story a few years ago with you. I went through this terrible season of depression I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And that accompanied this depression with this profound loneliness. And you would look at me and you think, how can you be lonely? I'm surrounded by hundreds of people every week and I have an incredible wife, great kids, awesome family, amazing friends. And I just felt like I was the only one in this world and that nobody cared about me, even though it wasn't true. There are arrows that the enemy will shoot at you to make you feel like God has abandoned you, that God doesn't care, that other people don't care, that all you're going to do is be alone for the rest of your life. Another one is disappointment. All of us have expectations, and rarely do those expectations get met, at least in the way that we want them to be met. And we can feel disappointed, and we can ask God, God, do you not care? Is this not what you wanted for me? I had this plan and then this thing happened. How could this be? And we get so disappointed in the Lord. And all these things can lead to what is an arrow that is so hard to overcome. And it's doubt. Once you start to fear, once you start to be lonely, once you start to feel this disappointment, all of a sudden, you start to doubt God. Like, God, I thought my life was going to be like this, and it's not. Aren't you good? Am I not forgiven anymore for what I've done? Do you not care about my future? Do you not want my plans to to succeed even though I thought these were your plans? And when you and I start to doubt, it makes us drift from God automatically. Some of the most profound moments in my life that I began to doubt if God cared, if he was good, if he was even real. Because sometimes when you're crying out to God in some of these these different ways and he doesn't respond to you, it feels like the heavens are shut and it feels like he literally does not exist. You feel like almost an atheist at that point. Like I don't even believe anymore. A couple big moments for me was when my stepdad was killed, 
when Todd Enderly died a few months ago, those big moments that you're like, how can there be a God? And if he is, how can he be good? But it doesn't have to be these big moments. There are little moments throughout the day that when the enemy hits us with some of these arrows, you begin to question God. You begin to ask, does he care? Is he real? Where is he when I need him the most? Doubt is one of those things that can rob you so much of what God has for you. And I'm gonna tell you in a little bit how you can actually do something with your doubt. But what are you going to do when those arrows fly? Because what's so interesting is Paul says, take up the shield. It's there for you. It's big. It can protect you. But you don't have to take it up unless you want to. And if you want to take up the shield of faith, You have to literally pick it up, even when all these arrows are flying and they're sticking to you and say, okay, God, I need to protect myself from all of these things because I know this onslaught is taking me down and I can't do this on my own. Some of you have not picked up the shield of faith in a really long time and you're starting to look like Charles Templeton. You're starting to drift away where God says there is a solution because what you can't control is what the enemy is going to do and he will do whatever it takes. But what you can control is how you protect yourself. And it's time for us to start protecting ourselves. We have this shield, what Paul says, of faith. What is faith? The author of Hebrews says faith is this confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Faith is two things. Assurance and anticipation. You see, all of us have faith. We've talked about that throughout the last couple of weeks. Everybody trusts, everybody has faith in something. All of us are protecting ourselves by a shield of faith. Whatever that thing is that you're trusting in, you're believing in, whether it's a different kind of religion or no religion at all, whether it's yourself, whether it's other people. Some of us put faith in our jobs more than anything or our money more than anything or our looks more than anything and you're protecting yourself behind those things. I'm just telling you, if that's your shield, look out because the enemy has tricked you into picking that up and thinking you can protect yourself with those things, but those things will catch on fire immediately. And then you'll be grasping for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, because we all trust in something. We have faith in something. But Paul says, for us as Christ followers, if he is our faith, we have the assurance, the assurance of what we're going to celebrate in two weeks actually happened. That Jesus died on the cross, taking on all of our sin and shame and guilt. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And then three days later, when all hope was lost, here comes Jesus, defeating the enemy once and for all, coming out of that grave and said, okay, let's go. That's the kind of faith that we get to put ourselves into. This faith that Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We have assurance that it's real. And when we put up those things against depression and loneliness and doubt and those kinds of arrows, they may stick, but they will not catch fire. They will be put out because that's what faith does. It puts out the fiery darts of what the enemy uh, fires at us. It's assurance that it's real. And there's this anticipation. Christianity is the only philosophy or religion or set of beliefs that says when you die, 
you can be guaranteed a place in heaven where you live forever. That I can go behind this shield of faith and say, okay, these darts, they are not fun to go through, but I know these things will only last a little while. Because I have a place with Jesus forever. He is with me here and he's with me forever. That's the kind of thing that can take out the enemy very quickly. What I love about what Jesus says in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is if Jesus says, look, you are going to go through so many hard things in this world. I guarantee it. I am not going to take you out of this world. I'm not going to protect you from not going through suffering. All of us will suffer. Either the things that we do to ourselves or what this world will throw at us because we live in a broken world or what the enemy will end up shooting at us. But he says you can put up this shield of faith that goes from our toes all the way up that's protected in such a way that when he shoots those arrows at you, they can be extinguished because he has overcome the world. You can have peace, protection from having to be killed by one of those things the enemy wants to take you down with. You know what's really cool? This shield of faith may have been this large door, but was able to join with other people to create this tortoise kind of figure where it would be this protective shell that you can get around with other people and it would protect you all the way around as you're there with other people trying to fight off the enemy. I think about that as I, as I look around. You don't just have to put up your shield. You can join that with other shields. We get to be in this together. And there are some of you that are just getting crushed right now. And you don't even know if you can hold up your shield. Well, you need to connect it with other people so that if you just need to sit there, you can't hold it up. Let me, let us hold it up for you. Join our circle. Join this protection so that we can do this together. This is not a lone mission for you to go after on your own. We are connected together for a reason, to be able to withstand the enemy and ultimately win the battle. Pick up your shield of faith. Take it up today. The enemy is going to come after you whether you like it or not, but you have a choice in how you protect yourself. What will you do? And how will you join with others to do that? The Apostle Paul says this, in addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil and put on, your salvation, put on salvation as your helmet. If you're a parent, you know exactly where I'm going with this story. Every time my kid gets on a bike, he thinks he's Lance Armstrong, or she thinks she's Lance Armstrong, and there's never going to be an accident. And so right when they're about to go off, I open the door if I'm in the garage, and what do I say? Put on a helmet! I'm like, Dad, I don't need a helmet. I'm like, I know you don't think you need a helmet, but I'm just telling you, you can be the best bike rider ever, but something's going to come along Maybe it's a stick, maybe it's a pebble, you're gonna get distracted, something, and if you get thrown off that bike and you don't have a helmet on, what are you gonna do? And of course my sons are like, I'll be fine. That's what you say now. But you better put on a helmet because you take a shot to the head, you may be okay or you may not be okay. And it's that protection, that helmet, that will keep you from a terrible injury that ultimately could take your life. 
I have my very good friend's army helmet up here. This is Larry Robinson's helmet. Larry Robinson served in active duty as a physician in 2007 and 2008 in Iraq. I'll never forget being in college and getting a call saying Larry's envoy was hit with an IED. Ran over three millimeter mortars in the middle of this road that blew up his, his truck that he was in. And what's so interesting is they were behind this shield, but some of the shrapnel went through the shield and hit Larry right in the helmet. If I turn it this way, you can see exactly where it hit him, right here. And what's so amazing about this is that you can't see it, but you can see just how it damages the helmet. But as I look inside of the helmet, it doesn't penetrate his head. Larry will tell you, if he doesn't have this on, he's gone. Larry, he's a father and a doctor and still going strong here because he put on a helmet that saved his life. Part of what God has given you is not just a shield, but a helmet. Helmet to protect your mind. Because where your thoughts are, pretty soon your actions will be. And if the enemy can somehow mess with our minds to make us doubt, to make us question, and we don't go to God with those things, we are in trouble. I love what Paul says about salvation as our helmet. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day we put on a helmet because every day the enemy will make you question, is it real? Is it true? What happens after you're going to die? And what he is saying is, not once do you put this on. Imagine if Larry got into the army, he put on his helmet and then put it back on the shelf. He wouldn't be here today. You can't just put on your helmet one time. It's every day that you put it into you go into battle. You have to put this on to protect you from the enemy putting things in the road to go off to hit you right there. And the only way that you can withstand a blow is to know yourself salvation is to know what Jesus has done for you. He's overcome sin, overcome death. There is victory for you. And it's not something we just sing on Sunday. It's not something we just sing about on Good Friday and Easter. You have to put it on every day, every day to know who you are, to know that he's forgiven you, to know what your identity is. It's every single day you put on the helmet of salvation to protect your mind from all the lies that you'll hear from the world and from the evil one. And if you know that he has overcome sin and you know he's overcome death and you can live in that today, you will be protected from whatever things come at you. I want to give you three ways to do this so that when you leave today, you know exactly how to put on this helmet. The first is found actually in the same letter that Paul is writing to the Ephesians. He says in chapter four, since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature. You said yes to following Jesus. You have new life in him. You have salvation. That's what salvation is, new life. Now you throw off the old life. 
Paul says your old way of life, the old former life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That renew word is every single day through the power of the Spirit, let him renew you so that you have new thoughts and new attitudes about God, about yourself, about other people. Because if not, and you only put this on one time when you said yes to following Jesus, I promise you, your life will look more like Charles Templeton and not like Billy Graham's. To renew means to just think through what you already know over and over again. I've had the honor a couple different times in my job to do renewal services. People want to renew their vows, and they're not getting married. They're already married. But what they're saying is, I know that I'm married, and I'm committing to living this out again and again and again. And today is a symbol of that. When I said yes 40 years ago or 50 years ago or 25 years ago, I mean yes every single day until we die. You put on the helmet of salvation. You're saying yes every single day. You are renewing your mind. You're letting the spirit work in you so that you have new thoughts to say, I know what Jesus said and I'm committing to live in that today. Every single day you renew your minds. The second is to reframe your doubt. That phrase, if you can, comes from a desperate father. A desperate father that his son is very, very sick. He has this spiritual sickness and he brings that son to Jesus. And he says in Mark 9, 22, heal him, Jesus, if you can. And Jesus says, if I can. If I can. All things are possible for those who believe. Now, Jesus wasn't being snarky. And you know what? He wasn't demeaning the guy. What he's saying is, I know you've gone through a lot. And you've come to the right place. And you still don't know. And I'm reminding you that in me, I can do all things. It may not be in your timing. It may not be in your way. But I can if you trust me. Well, that would probably be good for me, but for this dad, he says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What is so beautiful about this is that this dad doesn't doubt alone. He puts on the helmet of salvation, brings it to Jesus and say, I believe you can. I really believe, but I've seen what has been going on, so I don't know. Help me. That is one of the greatest things about doubt. It is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Doubt still has belief in it. But where you take your doubt matters the most. And for this dad, he believed. He just couldn't 100% believe, so he took the doubts to Jesus. I get numerous text messages and in-person conversations with a dad that all of us know, Todd. And I get the question all the time, how's Carter doing? He's not doing great still. And there'll be times where he will just be typing out verses and 
trusting the Lord. Other times he is just like, why hasn't God shown up? Where is he? Why does my son have to suffer? Why is he going through this? And I've learned so much about faith watching Todd because in the midst of doubt, he still has faith. He's still bringing those things to Jesus. You bring it to Jesus because that's who can help you. And even if he doesn't heal you, he will still give you the strength to get through it. That's what faith is. Todd is putting on his helmet of salvation even when he doesn't always believe. Because he does. Because he's taking it to Jesus. Finally, the way we put on our helmet of salvation is we we focus on the eternal. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Do you notice what Jesus is saying there? So many times we live for the here, but we don't have an eternal perspective. We live all of our life to get the most and become the most and all of those things, but Jesus is like, what you're doing cannot survive death. The only thing that can survive death itself It's what I've done for you. And if you trust me and you live for those purposes, those things carry through even after you die. And that's the thing about Billy Graham and Charles Templeton that I think was different. Charles Templeton started to drift. His faith, his salvation, he said, you know what? I don't know. I have these questions and instead of taking those to Jesus, he drifted away, but Billy Graham and his doubts and his struggles, he brought them to Jesus. He regained an eternal perspective. He didn't live just for now. He lived forever. And it's so interesting what Billy Graham says. I know that soon my life will be over, and I thank God for it and for all that he has given me in this life. But I look forward to heaven too. I've read the last page of the Bible. It's going to turn out all right. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be easy going to be okay. And the only way you get through it is you pick up the shield that will protect you from head to toe and you put this on. And you know what? Your helmet may look a lot like Larry's. But Larry survived and is thriving. And so can you. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for those that just are struggling today. I just thank you, Lord, that you give us permission to doubt, permission to struggle. You just tell us to struggle to you. So I pray for those in this room who are just doubting you, that are struggling to hold up that shield of faith as the enemy continues to fire these arrows at them. May they know, Lord, that you did for them what they can't do for themselves, and you will continue to do that for them. All we have to do is just pick it up and put it on, and you will do the rest. Thank you for partnering with us. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Have a great Sunday.